a little voice trouble this morning, but uh, it's so good to see you again. And once again, how, how so very grateful I am for your faithfulness in giving uh, this past year, and, uh, and especially during that month of December. Uh, thank you so, so very much. Um, let me mention uh, also real quick this morning, and we'll talk a lot more about this when we begin our, our new uh, message series next Sunday. Uh, and we're actually going to be focusing the entire year of 2023 on Jesus, on Jesus, uh, his life, his teachings, all on Jesus. And so if you're one of those that gets tired of a series after six weeks, please just kind of lay that aside. <laughs> just to, that means you're getting tired of Jesus, all right? So, um, uh, and we, wanna, we want to, to help engage in the process uh, by present, giving you this reading plan that will take you through all four Gospels, uh, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Christ and his life and teachings, resurrection, um, death and resurrection, and, uh, and ascension. And uh, this, again, it, it, you should have gotten this when you came in the door this morning. If you did not, you can be sure and get one on your way out. Uh, it begins next, it begins a week from tomorrow. It's when the reading begins. It's just simply a chapter in a gospel a day, one chapter a day. You begin, again, Monday, January the 16th, and you'll have read through all four gospels by Friday, May 19th. It's just five days a week is what we're inviting you to do, uh, a chapter a day. And we're not going to go in direct order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to start with the gospel of John, then we go to the gospel of Luke, and then we go to the gospel of Matthew, and then conclude with Mark. And that kind of goes along with how we're going to be, uh, how the series will be designed. And so we encourage you, I know a number of you may have already started a reading plan uh, for the new year. I don't want to encourage you to step away from that, but just add this to it, just one chapter a day. Um, But uh, we look forward to sharing that together. And we'll talk more about the importance of this uh, new series just on Jesus uh, this coming year. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the Old Testament, the Old Testament and the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers chapter 13. One of my very uh, favorite stories that uh, Max Lucado tells in one of his books is about, am I losing my mic? Am I okay here? We all right? All right, good, good. Uh, one of the, the uh, you know, that mute button has a sneaky way to, to come on and off. Um, uh, one, one of my very favorite stories that Max Lucado tells in one of his books about, is about Chippy the Parakeet. Chippy the Parakeet. Some of you may remember that story. Um, it was cover, actually covered by a local human interest reporter in one of the local papers in that area. And uh, a lady had a, a parakeet named Chippy. And she decided one day to clean out Chippy's cage. And it was time to do that. And so she had a, the way she would do that, she'd get the vacuum cleaner and she would take the attachment off the very end and use just the hose to, to hose out to vacuum out the bottom of Chippy's cage. And so she opened the cage, stuck the hose in, and was beginning the process of doing that. Chippy perched above, and, uh, and all of a sudden her phone rang, and when she reached down to, to grab her phone and put it up to her ear, when she turned that way, she didn't realize she was unconsciously raising the level of the vacuum hose, and she suddenly heard that awful sucking sound. Soup! <laughs> and she turned, into her horror, she realized that she had sucked... Chippy into the vacuum cleaner. She threw her phone down, opened up the vacuum, opened up the, emptied out the vacuum cleaner bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but covered with dirt and soot. 
And so she grabbed Chippy and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and and began to wash Chippy off with cold water. (laughs) And the next thing she did, she noticed that Chippy was beginning to shiver a little bit. And so just like any compassionate parakeet owner would do, she grabbed her hair dryer and then blasted him with hot air. (laughs) Well, the the reporter who had had covered the story uh, called back a a few days later to see how Chippy was doing. And this is what his owner said. She said, well, (laughs) he's not singing very much these days. He just kind of sits and stares. (laughs) Now, I couldn't help but notice as I came in this morning and as I've looked around the room as as people have walked in that that some of you are just kind of sitting and staring. (laughs) And... And you know, no wonder Chippy was just sitting and staring. I mean, he'd been sucked in, washed up, and blown over. <laughs> and I suspect that that's maybe how some of you are feeling as we begin this new year together. Uh, that as a result, and, and who wouldn't? I mean, after three years of dealing with all things pandemic, who wouldn't feel a little bit you know, sucked in, washed up, and blown over by now? It's just the way life is, it seems like, these days. As we stand now, on this threshold of 2023, how many of you in your state of sitting sitting and staring can see, and maybe already experiencing, but can see looming on your horizon or convinced that they're definitely coming, what you might describe as some giant-sized challenges, giant-sized challenges. Are you ready to face those giants? Are you ready? Are you prepared? You know, when, when most of us think of giant fighters in the Bible, uh, w- whether you're real familiar with the, with the Old Testament or not, or maybe just remember some stories from your, when you were growing up, who do we typically think of? Think of David, right? David and Goliath. Well, David battled one giant. But the one we're, and we will talk a little bit more about him and learn some things from him this morning, but, but the, the one we're talking, primarily focused on this morning, the, the giant fighter we're talking about today, battled three giants. David battled his giant when David was very, very young. This man battled his three giants when he was very old, 85 years old, 85. In fact, I, I can't help it, but when I come across Caleb's story, his name is Caleb, by the way, when I come across his story, it always reminds me of an old Nike shoe commercial. Some of you may remember this. It, it featured a man in his 80s who faithfully went out jogging every morning. And this was a freezing cold morning. He's sitting at his locker, of course, putting on his Nike shoes. And, and the voiceover announcer, as, as the camera moves in on the man, says, Sir, on these freezing cold mornings, how do you keep your teeth from chattering? And he looks at the camera and he says, I'll leave him in my locker. <laughs> and he slams his locker and runs out the door. Of course, in, in his Nike tennis shoe or Nike joggers. Well, this 85-year-old giant fighter, again, as I said, his name is Caleb. His story <clears throat> is found in Numbers, primarily Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and then in the book of Joshua, chapters 14 and 15. Now, when we first read about him, when he was 40 years old. Now, for his first 39 years, he had spent with the rest of his fellow Israelites. He was a member of the, excuse me, of the tribe of Judah. 
He had spent with the rest of his fellow Israelites as a time as a slave in captivity in the country of Egypt. And then he had the privilege of being released from that slavery under the leadership of God's chosen servant, Moses, during that period of time. <clears throat> so we are told in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8 that when God called Moses to lead them out of their bondage, that he was going to take them into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so when they arrived on the border of that land, again, Caleb now 40 years old, God gave Moses instructions to send 12 men into the land of the, into the promised land of Canaan to spy out the land, that he was to choose one leader from each of the 12 tribes and send them out. And that's what he did. They were gone for 40 days, and then they came back to bring their report. And the report was that the land is just as God said it was going to be. It, it, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. Uh, and they even brought back a cluster of grapes that was so enormous that it had to be carried on a pole between two men. Problem is, where you find giant-sized grapes, you sometimes find giant-sized people. And that's what they had found, a tribe of giants. And so when they saw those, 10 of those 12 spies came back scared to death. Now, as we all know, fear is infectious. And those 10 spies got all the rest of the Israelites all riled up. They got them scared to death as well. And they began to cry. And they began saying they wanted to actually, <clears throat> actually saying they wanted to go back to Egypt. However, there were two dissenting voices. The voices of Caleb and Joshua. Numbers chapter 14, verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire <clears throat> Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Unfortunately, <clears throat> their voices fall on deaf ears, and the rebellion grows, even to the extent that they're threatening to now stone Joshua and Caleb and even Moses and Aaron. Well, God graciously intervenes and spares their lives, but the, good, but the news is not so good for the rest of the people. You see, this is, is now the 11th time, since the, just since they have left Egypt, that the people have tested God with their unbelief. And so now this is the, the final straw. And now remember, that this is, these are the same people who had seen God perform these, these incredible miracles of, of those ten plagues that finally forced Pharaoh to agree to let the people go. These are the same people who had seen God part the, the waters of the Red Sea to allow the, them to walk across on dry land as the Egyptian army is pursuing them full force, but then come back over the Egyptian army and destroy it. These are the people who've seen those incredible miracles, and yet they still are expressing their unbelief. At this point is when God's patience runs out on them. And so God declares that that 
unbelieving generation is going to wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years before the people will be allowed to go into the promised land. During that 40 years, those unbelie- that unbelieving generation will die off. All but two, the ones who believed, Joshua and Caleb. Here's what God says about Caleb. Numbers 14 and verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And that's exactly what God did. In fact, let's hear it from Caleb's mouth himself. In Joshua 14, Moses has died, and now Joshua is leading the Israelites. By this time, much, but not all, of the promised land has been conquered. And so Joshua now is dividing it up among the ten tribes. In chapter 14, verse 6, we read, Now the people of Judah, and that's, remember that's Caleb's tribe, approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now listen to Caleb's passionate plea here. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, that's the giants, were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And that is exactly what Caleb did. Joshua 15, verse 13 and 14. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, the three giants, Sheshai, Ahimon, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. As we stand here now at the beginning of this new year and have spent a moment pondering whatever giants there are that may be looming on the horizon for us, whether it's personally or otherwise, let's ask the question, what is it that made Caleb such a successful giant fighter? What was it about him? What, was it that, what is it about him that we should all want to emulate? 
Well, God actually gave us the answer to that question when he described Caleb in the verse we read earlier, verse 24, Numbers 14. God said, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. And notice not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. As we just heard in, in Caleb's request to Joshua, that was when Caleb heard the description, he never forgot it. And it was the way that he continued to live. So what was it about Caleb that made him different-spirited? What was it? Well, the answer is found in that little phrase, follows me, part of the answer is found in that little phrase, follows me wholeheartedly. That phrase literally means fulfilled to walk behind God. Let me say that again, fulfilled to walk behind God. Now think about that. What a wonderful word picture that is. That that meant that Caleb was most content, most personally satisfied, most fulfilled when he was walking in line right behind God. Not somewhere way out in front of God, not somewhere way behind God, not veering off to the left or the right, but staying on course, walking in the path that God marked out for him right behind God. That's where he found his greatest fulfillment in life. That's why the rest of the people were fearful while Caleb was fearless. When the rest were faithless. That's why Caleb was faithful. When all the others were disobedient, that's why Caleb was obedient. It's not that he was weird or wacky or that he marched to the tune of his own drum. He marched to the tune of God's drum. But there's something else about that phrase, follows me wholeheartedly. See, the verb that's used there is in what was called the present active tense, which means it refers to continuous action. In other words, the nature of his following God was not a hit or miss kind of thing. He was consistent. He was daily. He continuously followed God. It went on and off again. He continuously followed after God. He worked at making sure that he was staying on course with that which God had marked out for him. You know, airline pilots will tell you that for every single degree, every one degree you fly off course, that you will miss your target landing spot by about one mile per every 60 miles you fly. That means if you left Tulsa and were flying to, the, to Dallas and you were just one degree off, you would land somewhere four miles away from the airport there. <laughs> Four miles. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, when I fly, I want to make sure the plane I'm on is flying zero degrees off. Zero degrees off. I want to make sure I land on the right runway at the right airport. Just one degree off can make that big a difference, can make the difference between arriving at your desired destination or perhaps having to use your seat as a flotation device. (laughs) Are there any giants? Any giants that you're confronted with right now, any giants that are causing you to veer off course, that are causing you to move away from fully following, wholeheartedly following after God? Here's another important question that goes right along with that, though. What is your level of tolerance 
What is your level of tolerance for being off target? What is it? Don't think to yourself, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's just one degree. It's just, one, it's just a small thing. I mean, stop and think about it. If you don't correct that small thing, where are you ultimately going to end up? Just that one degree. Make whatever course correction you need to make, and let's make it today. Today. In fact, make it one of your goals, one of your resolutions for 2023 to choose continuously, just like Caleb, to follow God wholeheartedly, to be zero degrees off. You see, that is the attitude of his heart and mind that served Caleb so well. Think about this. During those 40 years that he had to wander in the wilderness with the rest of those people who, who had been such unbelievers. That is the attitude of his heart and mind that kept him going. That's what kept the fires of his passion burning so strong. Listen again to Caleb's words in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. Again, he said, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This is 40 years after seeing that land, 40 years later. See, when the ten spies came back, they infected the people with fear. With fear. Because all they could think about were those scary giants. <laughs> and, and certainly scary giants have a way of making us lose perspective, don't they? But notice, again, that Caleb, 40 years later, is still focused on exactly, in exactly the same way, which is what? What did he say? The Lord promised me. The Lord helping me. His focus is purely, simply upon the Lord. You see, Caleb's different spiritedness was enabled and sustained by a godly perspective. Enabled and sustained by his godly perspective. And this is something, by the way, that he had in common with that other giant fighter in Scripture, with David. You remember David's story? Here, here, here was the Israelite army was lined up against the Philistine army. You know, they're on one ridge, the Philistines on the other ridge, and there's a big valley in between. And, and every day, every day, this huge giant would come, Goliath would come walking out in the middle of the valley, challenging the Israeli army, saying, send out, I, I'm, and he, was the, he was the Philistine, Philistine champion, and send out one of your champions. And if, if your man beats me, then we will be your slaves for the rest of our lives. If I beat him, you will be our slaves for the rest of your lives. And every time the giant does that, every time he makes that threat, the Israelite soldiers turn tail and run. I mean, they, they are shaking in their boots or sandals or whatever every time. Now, David's brothers, remember, were all there. They're all there right on the front lines, <clears throat> seeing all this take place. They were part of the army of Israel, but David at the time was too young to be a soldier. And so he's back home tending his father's sheep. 
But then the day comes, well, it's, it's been a while since they'd left, the brothers had left to go join the army. And uh, so David's father comes to him and says, hey, I, David, I, I've got, we, we need to send some fresh supplies and, and goods and food to, uh, to your brothers, and I need you to, to take those to them. And so David leaves and takes those supplies, and he happens to arrive in camp right as Goliath is out there in the middle of that valley making this threat to the Israeli army. But David cannot believe what he is seeing and hearing. He asked the question, who is this pagan Philistine that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And the image you get in the passage is that he's kind of going up and down the line of soldiers asking the same question. Who is this guy that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And so then David tells King Saul, he'll go and fight Goliath. But you remember Saul just kind of laughs him off. David, you're just a kid. You can't go fight this giant. But this is what David tells him. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats for a while now. And when a lion or a bear tries to attack my flock, I go after it and kill it. And I'll do the same to this pagan giant who has defied the armies of the living God. And then he says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He adds up two plus two spiritually, right? So David went out to fight Goliath. And as he's listening to the giant's threats once again toward him personally at this point, this was David's reply. He said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And just before putting that stone in his sling, David cried out, This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. You see, while while the Israelite army had all been fearfully focused on the giant, David's focus is where? It's on the living God. It's on God. You see, a person with godly perspective is simply able to see the world, to see one's life circumstances as God sees it, from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, Goliath was soon to be bird food, which is exactly what happened. Ask yourself, what do the giants you are facing right now look like from God's perspective? From God's perspective. What do they look like? Back to Caleb. When those 12 spies returned from exploring the land, The ten spies, again, got the people all worked up as they described how scary and powerful these giants were that they'd seen. Caleb tries to assure everyone that God would help them conquer the giants, but the fearful ten then said this. Listen closely. Numbers 13, verse 31. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. You see, everything starts looking bad in that kind of, that kind of point of view. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. 
We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come, come from the, the Nephilim. Those are the giants. <clears throat> we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I mean, they, they just can't get these giants out of their heads. And those giants are making them feel like they're little bugs, just little insects. They said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And isn't that what giant-sized challenges can do to us sometimes in life? Can make us feel like? They can make us feel small. Make us feel helpless. But then notice the last thing they said. And we look the same to them. Question. <laughs> How did they know what they look like to the giants? You see what's happening there? They are seeing their circumstances from the giant's perspective and not from God's. We're just like little bugs that they're going to enjoy smushing. <laughs> and the result of them losing all godly perspective of their situation is that they are now paralyzed with fear. Not Caleb. Not Caleb. What did he and Joshua say to the people? Verse 9 of Numbers 14. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. See, the majority of ten saw enormous difficulty in, in what was really a tremendous opportunity. Caleb and Joshua saw tremendous opportunity in this difficulty. The ten chose to measure the giants against their own strength. It felt so helpless and small. The two chose to measure against God's strength. The ten saw big giants and had little faith. The two saw the big giants, but they had faith in a God that they knew was a whole lot bigger than those giants. The ten saw themselves as grasshoppers in the eyes of the giants, while Caleb and Joshua saw the giants as grasshoppers in the eyes of God. A huge difference. Godly perspective. So what are the giants you're facing right now? Again, you may already be experiencing it. You may see them just ahead. You may just know that they're coming. What are the giants out there for you that are trying to make you feel small and helpless, which are striking fear in your heart as you begin this new year? Is it discouragement? For whatever reasons. Is it depression? Anxiety? Some kind of inordinate fear? Perhaps a load of responsibilities, many of which you don't feel responsible for? Maybe it's your health. 
a difficult relationship, a struggling marriage. Maybe it's a financial burden. What are those giants? This morning, remember, whatever those giants are, they are grasshoppers in the eyes of God. So, let's start attacking those giants right now, shall we? Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. And I invite you to to just say to the Lord right now in your heart of hearts, Lord, I want to begin this year different-spirited. I want to begin 2023 with a wholehearted determination to follow right behind you. I thank you that you are with me. Because you are with me, I don't have to be afraid of any giant. Please, Lord, enable me. Enable me to see my circumstances from your perspective. And now with your head still bowed, with that godly perspective, if you haven't already, pull up a mental picture of each of those challenging giants in your life right now. What are they? What do they look like? Got it? And as you pull up those pictures, know this. Just like Caleb with the Lord helping you, you will drive them out. And so with that mental image of those giants in your mind right now, stare them down. Stare them down. Thanking God that every one of those is a giant opportunity for victory through Jesus Christ in 2023. And all God's people said, Amen.